girl shit. He up in my bag, but I mean he is too. And that's why every time you see me, I got some new shoes. Look, bitch, I'm a star, got these niggas wishing. Okay. He say he hungry, this pussy the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, that's my dog, he gon' sit down and listen. Okay. Call him a trick and he don't get a holler. Bitch, I'm a star, got these niggas wishing. Okay. He say he hungry, this pussy the Bro, kitchen. Bro, she really eating. <laughs> <laughs> she eating. Uh, if y'all know who that is, you're my girl, Megan Thee Stallion. Shout out to her for uh, getting on one, making the HBCU 30 under 30. She goes to Texas then. Now she's getting a degree in health management or something like that. Shout out to her, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's really going on, everybody? This what's episode up, number up, 30, Triple X. Yeah. Sure it's no, it's 30. Oh, yeah. XXX. <laughs> 30 episodes, buddy. No um, lions. Henry Woods. Checking in. Yeah. Make sure you got down. Follow us on Twitter at underscore WRGO. Follow us on Instagram at What's Really Going. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. I'll subscribe on YouTube at What's Really Going On. Um, yeah, we own that. You know, every, every wherever you want to find us, we're there. <laughs> we own that. We, you, know you can't saying? get rid of us. SoundCloud too. I forgot to plug the, the original it. OG. Right, right. They held us down for a long little bit. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Henry gonna bust it down with the uh, with the first uh, little little video jump. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Men of Morehouse, you are surrounded by a community of people who have helped you arrive at this sacred place and on this sacred day. On behalf of the eight generations of my family who have been in this country, we're gonna put a little fuel in your bus. Now I've got the alumni over there and this is the challenge to you alumni. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. <laughs> Bro, face in the back is crazy. Oh, man. So let's get into it. So that was just yesterday. Um, so that was a Saturday. Sunday. It was Saturday. Just two days ago. See? Internal editing. <laughs> so two days ago, that was a billionaire investor and philanthropist. Robert Smith, um, who pledged to pay off the student loans of Morehouse College's 2019 graduates. Uh, interesting other story, when I was doing uh, some research in January, Smith also donated $1.5 million to the school to fund scholarships and build a park where students could study. I feel like everyone knows like about the donation and about like his pledge, but you know, what's really going Wait, on? Wait, do- he also donated $1.5 million to Morehouse? Yes. Oh wow! Okay, Early, earlier so scholarships. Right. Tibbet- oh wow! So that's another. I didn't see that. Yeah. Other that's an interesting little tidbit. So I think everyone knows clearly about the the pledge, but I think we want to, you know, at what's really going on. We tend to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, so yeah. who is Robert Smith? You might ask. So Robert Smith, he's the founder and CEO of Vista Equity Partners. He lives in Austin. Don't ask me how I know that. And uh, so an investment firm with over forty six billion in capital committed. Uh, in companies specializing in data, software, and technology. He has an estimated net worth of $5 billion and was ranked by Forbes last year as the richest black American in the country last year. He is the first black board chairman of Carnegie Hall in New York, and he has also donated $50 million to his alma mater, Cornell University, where he went to undergrad. Think um, 
it's important to note that he did not go to Morehouse and he did not go to an HBCU. But nonetheless, shout out to him. Bruh, he got buku money, bruh. That's crazy. Money with that forty million, like, oh, that's a that's a tax write-off. Right. What's up? I'm and to, that's the bigger thing. I'm sure he didn't do it for that. Um, no, no. I mean, no. I mean, like he he donated fifty million. Like he right. Donated, he's a philanthropist. He's a philanthropist. He, he yeah, um, he's a philanthropist. It's pretty cool. Of the mass amount of media is getting. Like, yeah, it's getting like a lot of yeah. attention. Um, and it's pretty cool to see that he's doing this. It's just like the stuff on Twitter. Why black people always gotta black? Like, why you all there just like, I was seeing some stupid stuff. Like, just be happy for this moment. Let's do that. Let's not. My school need love. Not, right. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's just be happy for. Y'all, 400 men are now debt free. He paid $40 million. And that, that to break it down, that's like $100,000 each person. Ooh, that's in the. You want to, all right, you want to finish that? We going in. All right, let's do it. So I think uh, one thing that we found interesting that we talked about from Jump when we first uh, talked yesterday. So Morehouse, they had 396 graduates for a combined debt of over 40 million. Now we're just going to assume 40 million is just flat. I'm sure it's more than that, but that's basically an average of over 100,000 per student, according to the Institute of Colleges. Uh, according to the Institute for College Access and Success, the average student graduated with 28 thousand five hundred dollars in student loan debt. Robert Kletchen, a education professor at Seton Hall, found that 30 percent of black graduates had at least a hundred thousand dollars or more in debt. And I think that like I remember when we were first talking, I was like, damn, 400 people, 40 million. I was like, that That's sounds crazy. That's crazy. But then we did the math and we were like, oh, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> because like I think especially at a lot of these agencies, the Morehouse is a private institution and a lot of these schools, they don't have. They're not getting the endowments. They're not getting the state support. And that's a lot. And at least, right, that leads to stuff like this. It's socioeconomics at the home. It's like all these different factors that lead to black graduates are often being hampered with debt. And Um, I think that's something that affects us. Yeah. (laughs) um, That's what I think. God. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) For that little, that's not little, but the scholarship I got. But, um, I just think that's like an important it's, issue. Yeah, it is important because that speaks to the larger issue of student debt. The student debt crises in America. So many people are having to go so far into debt just, just to get to, a piece of paper. Just to get a piece of paper that doesn't guarantee you anything, especially in this economy nowadays. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's. it's that's what the system is set up to be for real. Yeah. And it's sad that that like 400 people and $40 million. That's, that's like, crazy. That's like, crazy. It doesn't even sound right at first. Right. Like, we literally had to do the math. But I mean, if you think about it, if each of them took out about it's like 25K a year, which yeah. didn't make sense. Yeah. That, that it was like, sense. okay, if I you think it. about I it, see it, if you think about it, but to hear it is it's like, like insane. yeah, it's kind of like, and I think that that's like, um, and one person in one article I read, I don't know if this is the case or not, what, what Robert Smith is going to do, but someone said that it's it's yet to be seen that if that 40, if his pledge covers loans that parents had to take out on behalf of their students or on behalf of their children. 
So like you could take out your loan, but you still short. Your mom. And that's the deeper loan. issue, right? And I think that it's like it's a it's a repetitious cycle at that point. And I think that you know we always try to relate stuff back to politics and all this stuff. So I think, um, like Henry said, student loans are going to be a real big issue in the twenty twenty election. I think candidates are really starting to put forth their plans because I think they know if you want to attract voters like you and I especially. Yeah, that's the stuff you got to talk about right there, buddy. Right. So we want to hear about that, buddy. Right. So I think, um, like, I'll get your reaction to some of these plans and what you think. So Senator Warren, who's, I mean, of course everyone's running for president now. Henry's about to announce next week, but you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> um, so she released a plan in April that proposed borrowers with a household income of less than 100000 would have 50,000 of their debt canceled. She called to expand the Pell Grant, which gives low-income students money to attend college, which extremely impacts HBCUs often. Um, former Secretary Castro, he's has a pre-K through college plan and proposes an income-driven repayment where borrowers give their debt as an affordable percentage of their income. So basically, you don't just say, like, I have this much in loans, I'm gonna give, I, ha- I have to hit this number by this time. It's basically saying, what do you make give a percentage of what you make into it. And we're not capping you at saying like you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt, pay off that hundred thousand and saying you might have a hundred thousand dollars in debt, but you make 35 pay this percent of your income towards your debt. Not saying like, that's how people like, you know, have to what's refinance or student loans. I can't think of the term. Yeah, so you basically have to like defer it and put it off to later because you're like I can't oh, yeah, I can't even I can't even do it now six yeah. months after. Um, and then Senator Harris she called, um, of course there are varying spectrums, but she called for um, as senator and as California's attorney general uh, and and to for profit colleges which often inflate their job numbers and don't actually have that much benefit compared to what they're actually paying for. So I think that this is going to be like a real big issue, and I think it's on candidates to. Well, I'm glad. So that's the, like, because um, we talked about Warren a few weeks ago about her plan, and she's the only one that I think has outlined something step by step as to like, oh, I'm talking that low. No, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> my bad. Uh, she's the only one that has outlined step by step logistical plan that, or it's made, the most detailed, right? That yeah. made sense. To me, um, and that's what's like interesting about Warren because she, like, or all the female candidates for real, they're not getting a lot of media attention. But they're often the ones the most who are the one who are the most. And they're vocal a lot, and they're and that's what's like interesting about Warren specifically. She has plans about everything. She literally, like, I haven't like when I searched her name and I read through some stuff. It's kind of like she legitimately like she seems like she knows what she's doing, right. uh, and and it excites me to see that a candidate this early on is talking about actually policy. thinking about the job. Right, but I think like a lot of the candidates, especially a lot of the men, like when you look at like I mean Bernie has a couple of plans, so I can't fault him on that. Like when you look at like the Buttigiegs or the Aurora, or even like the Bidens, it's just kind of like, here's my general broad strokes out. Like we have to come together as like a people and we have to do this and a brighter future, which is like hierarchy. Oh, good, good Joe Biden word there. (laughs) (laughs) But like, but you know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, we're going to paint with broad strokes. And she's like, no, I have, if you want to talk about student loans, I have this plan out. If you Uh want to talk about healthcare, I have this plan out. 
if you want to talk about how we're going to like improve climate change, we're, I have this plan out. And I think that that to me, it shows your seriousness to the job, but also that you're willing to just like talk about the issues in an actual specific way and not just like student loans. Those are bad. Right. Like, right, right, yeah, right. yeah Sherlock. Sure I actually researched this issue. I have something to say about it. These are my thoughts. This is what I'm going to do. Like, she can articulate a plan. And I like that. But the thing, like, again, she just, I'm scared she going to get swept in the dust. A lot of people going to get I mean, everybody going to get swept in the dust. It's, with 22 candidates, heck Also, yeah. there, are, there are some, from, since the last podcast two weeks ago, we have two more candidates in the race. I'm not even going to name them because they're not important. Ah, <laughs> what's up? Um, <laughs> but I think that that's just something to look out for because I think that one, I mean, props to Robert Smith for the for the pledge. Like, that's amazing. Right, 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 like, shout right, out to him. Right. Like, shout that's amazing. Him. And I think that puts a lot of, not a lot of pressure, but I think it's, it. once again, I think if you have the means and if you have the ability, it's definitely pushing people to get on your stuff. But I think this all... Him making that big ass pledge also points to a bigger problem because there aren't that many Robert Smiths out there who could just cut that check. So we actually have to like figure out the wealth in America. Yeah, that's like we actually have to figure out. Like it's a two prong issue. A person necessarily should not have that much wealth, Uh, and then two, the student debt. Like why does four hundred students have forty billion dollars? Right. So that is a two prong question. Um, and just a light side point, I seen this little comment on Instagram, and Oprah was doing something, and some verified account commented under her page, "When are you gonna uh, donate forty million to college?" And she was like, "Well, I think I've already donated like over fifteen million to college." Oh, she said she replied back. Yeah, oh, I thought she was gonna hit the oop. <laughs> But no, it was just don't comfort people. Just let this moment. Let everybody walk down path. Right. Let this moment be what it was. Let this moment be. Yeah. Props to props to Robert Smith. We got to work on our debt crisis. Right. What do I always say? Two things can be true at the same time. Anyway, big facts. Big fight. Um, so I'll play this. Oh, I'll say we got a clip for this. You're gonna get it. Come I'll on, play this clip for y'all. And then, yeah, thinking about the old abortion ban, I said to myself, I don't understand why these old white men are so hell bent on this. Why an abortion ban? Why now? And it hit me. Mm-hmm. This is all about self preservation for the white race. Okay, follow me for a second. All right, now anybody who reads a little bit knows that according to some census projects, the USA will become minority white in 2045. All right, 2045, white people will be the minority and the majority will be Hispanics and Latinos. So the population and political power will be with those communities and they will be the new majority. Now, I was looking at some abortion statistics and I saw that 37% of women having abortions are white, 37% of black, 19% Hispanic, 7% of other races. Are other races. So when you understand that some white people have a fear of a brown planet, then you will understand the government's efforts to keep Latino immigrants out. It's not a coincidence that yesterday Trump unveiled a new immigrant plan to overhaul legal immigration. So if you keep Latinos and Hispanics out, you slow down the growth of that community, you ban abortions, well, the population of white people increases. Okay, listen, 
not just the population of white people, because all white people aren't Republicans or conservatives, but the white people in these particular states are. And these seven states that have already passed some sort of abortion ban, they're all red states. Okay, all the states who have passed this abortion ban are red states. Alabama, Mississippi. Uh, okay. Uh, we got to maximize, <laughs> to minimize, to, bro, to strategize. Bro, and that will lead us look, to advocatize. <laughs> It's so not too far-fetched. So we can victorize. It's not too far-fetched. Look, look. Okay, so detail. Who that was Charlamagne, okay, Breakfast Club. Y'all know he be on his whole time. This shit didn't So last week, Alabama signed one of the most, or most, the most, the most, the most, the most. aggressive anti-abortion bill in recent history, right? Yeah. 21st century. Right. No cap. So, um, with that, a lot of controversy going on. Going on. A lot of people have been speaking out, sharing their opinions, but a lot of people don't know what's actually, like, what's really going going on. on. Yeah, so we're going to try to break that. We can come through with our hot takes like Charlemagne, but, you know, that's not really that's Henry's thing. <laughs> we'll get no. We gonna you gonna explain it, and then we gonna get into it. All right. So the Alabama law, which as Henry said, is the most aggressive in recent history. First off, the law is scheduled to take effect in six months. Um, groups like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, have already basically said, like, okay, we we y'all about to get hit with this suit real quick. Um, so that's so that's on the that's something to look out for. So here's what the law actually says in Alabama. An abortion is only legal if the person's uh, if the pregnant person's life is at risk. Doctors who perform an abortion for any other reason besides um, the health of the mother could face up to 99 years in prison. Patients will not be um, subject to this penalty. So only doctors can face um, jail time if they perform an abortion that's not legal. If, if this law takes place, patients will be fine. They wouldn't have to worry about it. They're not. Alabama's not like at least Texas where they try to kill people and shit. Um, next, Governor Ivey, the governor of Alabama, she has been pretty much openly admitting that the bill is unlikely enforceable or it's not likely to actually hold up due to Roe versus Wade. A lot of people who are kind of political theorists and just kind of generally smart are basically saying that the bill is designed to provoke what we were talking about yesterday. The bill is designed to provoke the Supreme Court to make a ruling that could weaken abortion protections in general or specifically go at Roe v. Wade. This is the most shocking part. I like was almost like offended when I read this. The bill text compares abortion stats to the Holocaust and the genocide in Rwanda. It literally has like numbers of like six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. That that line line line. That's line, line. disgusting. X amount of people were killed That's in the genocide literally in Rwanda. Disgusting. Dot 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 dot. Fifty bill fifty million people are said to have been killed through abortion. <laughs> That's disgusting. Fucking crazy. That's disgusting. And it's like in the bill tax. Like you can actually like look that shit up. That's disgusting. Just. No, it's like I don't even. I read it once. That's disgusting. It's gross. Um. So that's what's going on in Alabama. But um. Also, can can I get on our high horse? What you mean? Um. Last episode, we literally talked about this. Oh, yeah, we did in detail. We talked but... about <laughs> dozen states and what we're going to talk about next. We 
Alabama was one of the states that had the heartbeat bill. We talked about Georgia, which eventually got signed. We talked about 12 other states. Go listen to the last we be, we, we, um, So, um, what Henry talked about, because Henry flagged it for, from his state, he was the first one to put hip us in the dock or in our chat, was that Alabama is not alone. Um, Georgia's fake governor, once again, Brian Kemp, signed a law that would ban abortions once a heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as six weeks before many women even know they are pregnant. Women could get an abortion up to 20 weeks into a pregnancy only in cases of rape and incest, but the victim must have an official police report filed and able to get that exemption. Missouri's governor, Mike Parson, also a Republican, of course, is expected to sign a similar bill that would ban abortions after eight weeks. Across the country, states have proposed heartbeat bills that ban all, basically, abortions before women can even know that they're pregnant. So, that's a lot, but Oregon um, becomes the first state to offer free abortions for all people, or all women, Mm -hmm. including illegal immigrants. Um, Governor Kate Brown signed the bill last Tuesday, which is the Reproductive Health Equity Act. Uh, It puts $10 million up which could uh, approximately about 22,873 women. Yeah, which is huge. That is huge, but it's kind of like, But it's, it's, it sucks that it's a state issue because Oregon was already pretty good on the issue. Right. So and that, like, the West Coast, <laughs> the West Coast be so proactive with stuff. Because they, they be the South, Democrats, bro. Democrats. But, um, and then, um, talk about your, 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 um, the Atlanta DA, she came out with something. Nah, that's what I was about to get yeah. into because I was about to say Georgia as a whole is like backwards because Atlanta is progressive, mm-hmm. but surrounding parts right. is still rural. So it's like fighting with itself. Right. Um, so it's a fight with itself because the Atlanta district attorney can't recall the name off the top of my head and state that she will not be pressing charges if this law was to go for it. So if this law happens, because that's the thing, I got some facts for y'all real quick. Um, because none, all these laws just being passed and shot around, all of that great stuff, like none of them are fully in effect right now. Right, it's like we're, we passed it, the governor could sign it, like in Alabama, like the governor already signed it, but it can't, it's not just like we signed it, it's law now. No, right. it's like 90 days, 60 days, Six it's months. A, it's a time. It's a time period, period. right? Um, so and us- that's what like kind of like makes me want to like go into it more because it's like go into it. Abortion is at a like when I was like doing a little research. Abortion is at an all time low right now. Mm-hmm. So like with abortion being at an all time low, it makes and that's why I was like played the Charlemagne clip because. I'm like, if abortions at an all-time low, why? Like, what's the agenda? We talked about this last night. What's the like? What's the what's the reason behind it? It's some type of reasoning as to why all of these bills are just now being signed. Yeah, it's it's an agenda at play, and this gonna go into the next time we talk about. We might not. Um, like what? The what's at what's 
at eyesight may not always be the the larger issue. Right. At hand, that's may not be the larger issue. And we could be aware of this, but subconsciously or consciously we're not like thinking about it. It's just kind of like, oh, well, it happened. Um and yeah, so it's, it just makes me think like what's the bigger like what what's the agenda? I mean, I think we I think what we talked about says kind of what the agenda is clearly it's basically like we're going to throw up these bills knowing that some will pass some won't but the hope is that the supreme court will either take it up and they'll either restrict access to abortions in certain cases which is going to be a win for them or they're going to end up rehashing the precedent that is well no that's what I, that's, that's what i, mean, what I like, think what's the that's, agenda because it's like the agenda. what we talked about this last night but like why does it um why do they constantly challenge Roe v. Wade? Because in my understanding of the law, when once precedent is set, you kind of have to follow that. It can be challenged, but like for it to be overturned, you gotta go through the Supreme Court. Well, remember we talked about that. And I yeah, so it, it's not I guess. It goes into the fact of being that we now have a Supreme Court that would likely overturn this issue and rule in favor of it. It's like why does why are you bothered? But I think I think that's the whole thing is that they're trying to bother with it. Because remember when Kavanaugh was on this was being um, nominated, and they were having the debate, and, that every, was and the everyone, main, that everyone was kept asking him thing. about Roe v. Wade, and he kept saying like, "I won't overturn precedent." And someone pressed his ass, and they were like, "Well, what happens when you're the one setting the precedent? Right? You keep saying that you're going to defer to a ruling, but what happens when you're at the same level where you can set the ruling?" You're not answering that question. You can't like that's gonna say like, oh, I respect the rule of the house, but what happens when you own the house? Like you make your own rules, right? So I think that that's something that Roe v. Wade is precedent until it gets rehashed, until they basically deal with it. And they might not. They might not even say like, okay, Roe v. Wade's on the table. It might just be like all these other smaller cases that have to do with like heartbeat bills that have to do with like all like giving women access to certain type of maternity care that's all on the table roe v wade is probably their biggest goal but i'm sure if someone said hey you can't get an abortion after 20 weeks they would be happy with that at the same time right and it's it's like they're swinging for the fences but they'd also take a single but my thing is like why do you keep challenging this issue what in your what in the heck is bother like why are you bothering women this much like why why do you keep like it why why this it i mean it doesn't make sense but i think it, it like, doesn't like that's what i'm saying what's the deal it's like, bro, why are y'all bothering these women let them they should have that choice to do whatever they feel is necessary because everything is circumstantial Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm gonna just read down these quick loops. Yeah, abortion is at an all time low. Abortion is still common. The 2017 analysis uh, got a good mature institute. Uh, yeah, it proves that 23.7% of women in the United States have had an abortion by the age of 45. Mm. Uh, that's interesting. <clears throat> Most people who have had abortions already have kids. Didn't know that? Yeah. 
Four states have passed the Harvey Bill in 2019, those four states being North Dakota, Alabama, Missouri, and Georgia. Um, none of these laws are in effect, which you stated already. It does take, if it does take effect, the Georgia law could have impact uh, on people who miscarry. Many of the, like we just talked about it, many of these cases are to challenge Roe versus Wade. Uh, some of the recent, recently passed bills loosen restrictions on abortions. Uh, abortion laws do not allow infants to be killed after birth. You'd think that would be like a duh. Common knowledge, but... Uh, and the majority of the abortions that happen are in early pregnancy. So before they're like, you're not, you're not like getting one, like your third trimester. Right. So before, like before the 20 week mark, only 1.4% of abortions happen after the 20 week Mm -hmm. mark. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to know. The more you know, stat life. No, so I think we're going to keep you all posted on this issue, but I think it's something that I don't think it's going nowhere. It's not going anywhere, and I think the more people look into the issue, the more people look into Republicans' arguments, the less sense they make, and the more hypocritical they sound. That's what's crazy about it. I'm a whatever. That's that's their go to. I'm a Christian, really. Okay. Anyway, so y'all watched Game of Thrones last night. I know y'all did. Y'all big mad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, y'all uh, y'all watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> Look, uh, y'all watched we Game did of Thrones together. Last night. We definitely time. watched it for some reason. I'm gonna make this blatantly like clear. I this is not serious. First off. <laughs> right, we just kind of we just having fun, having with fun with it. Uh, I don't watch the show. I, okay, I watched the first season and four episodes of the second season, and per me watching the last episode, I, I don't even have to go back and like watch the in between because how that shit ended, I'm pissed as fuck. Like, why the fuck did that shit happen? And I'm kind, and that's what's like interesting because when I first watched the show, I'm like, that's some that's some YTS, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I'm like, yeah, I'm not into this shit. This incest and what medieval time? What? You what? Want, and you I, want, do you want me to read the, the no the live show notes? No, and no, uh, no. Also, for context, I have never seen the show. I saw one episode with you. I saw the last episode with you last night. <laughs> right. Um, Continue on, since you're you're the resident <laughs> Game of Thrones expert. Our person that was supposed to be here build on us, so <laughs> shout outs to you. Nah, but um, so I, the we did try to like research it, and like the creator of the show, um, George, George R. R. Martin, he says that like it was interesting because he basically was like saying like the winter is coming. That like whole thing is climate change. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like I'll read the quote. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna butcher this. The people in Westeros. Yeah, sure. That sounds dumb. The people in Westeros are fighting their individual battles over power, status, and wealth, and those are distracting them. They're ignoring the threat of winter is coming, which has the potential to destroy all of them and to destroy the world. 
But he basically like he goes deeper and basically he's basically like, oh, I'm talking about climate change. Like we're getting distracted about all these like internal battles when like the planet and like everything else is falling apart. Oh, so that was interesting to learn uh, because, like, watching the show, it's like all political dynamics. Basically, it's all like this people versus this people. It is a power struggle. Like what the Business Insider said, um, politics is brutal and filled with ambitious characters jockeying for influence in a competitive world where money goes a long way and no one is safe. Just about every character seeking the the Iron Throne has somehow found has somehow found their claim hindered by self inflicted wounds. And that speaks to that's some twenty twenty shit. That's some. <laughs> but like, think about it: ambitious characters jockeying for influence in a competitive world. That's nothing but politics. Nothing but politics. Um, and that's what's like funny about. And that's what's like interesting to see how so many people are so into, into it, but nobody gives a fuck. About politics, but the two are like related. And, yeah, like all, no, you know why? And I've only watched one episode, so this might not make sense. You know, everybody, everybody trying to get the throne, and it's like all these people, right? Uh-huh. Everybody trying to get it. I'm just gonna start naming people: Cersei, yeah. Arya, <laughs> uh, Jon Snow, and then guess get who off you, Twitter, no, nigga. And then guess who you end up with? Trump, aka Brand the Broken. No, yo, no, 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 no. that is not it because. That's why I like this article in Esquire that I was reading with, um, like the uh, George, the creator was talking, yeah. and he compared Trump to Jeffrey, who don't is know, don't know you don't know who that is, but when I was watching it, he becomes king in like the it's somewhere in the first season he becomes king. He becomes king because his dad got killed. Like, yeah. and it's this whole shit. It's that's what I'm like. <laughs> mentioned, but the blow up. That's what right. Because we don't know the hell we're talking about. The but funny thing is, in season three, <laughs> right? But no, he uh, it's I'm for sure season one. But he, when he became king, that's what I was like interested to see that um the starts that all three of them are like. They kind of like stay strong besides one of the main characters who died in season one, who is Ned Stark. I was disappointed when he died, but um, yeah, he, he the show. I'm glad I did not invest that much time because Brain or Brian or whoever, bro. When they first said Brain the, the Broken, I almost cried. The, I almost literally. Cried. Why the is he king? I'm mad because in the first fucking episode, they made him seem like the. The first season or whoever, they make him seem like the most irrelevant person. This nigga got thrown out the window in the first episode or first two episodes of what happened. Like, so he got like Suge Knighted, basically. Uh, whatever. And like they make him seem like the most irrelevant person. And how the fuck you end up with the throne? Oh, wait. What what? I, wait, hold on. I have a quote. I have a quote. This might explain it. Rulers are chosen, not born. Ooh, deep. Shut up. <laughs> oh, and that goes to speak to um the little short midget. I cannot wow. remember. <laughs> wow. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's the most trading ass motherfucker person ever because yeah, whatever. He's like and, that person who's like a Democrat and all of a sudden a Republican and then like an independent. He's self-dependent. Like who whatever if the uh whatever. Whatever benefits me. And Arya, 
Um, Spin off. I know that much. Right. That's that's what it seemed like for her. Um, I can't think of the mother of the dragons, but how she died was kind of like Danny. Danny. Got it. Danny. <laughs> how she died was kind of like um, very anticlimactic. Yeah, because. Then the dragon gonna shoot all that fire. And no, I understood. No, I understood. Oh, okay. He didn't. He the scene was. It was like y'all. He you killed my mother over this shit. Like the throne. So the throne gotta go. And all and that's why all of this chaos has happened. And she was like, basically, if she can't sit on it, none of y'all can't sit on it because, from what I understand, for like she and that's why it's so interesting to see that like her plan to like. A, Conquest, whatever she kind of achieved that from what I seen because whatever I don't know what I'm talking about, but mention gonna blow up. Yeah, it's just like all our Game of Thrones people, Flame Henry. I'm real. I don't. I don't. I've watched. I'm just like that show is fucking stupid, and I'm glad (laughs) I did not waste my time watching it. Like they made hella money. Also, I got questions. All y'all ain't got HBO. <laughs> Actually, how are y'all? That's that, y'all that was my next HBO. question. How was y'all HBO watching power. this? Sure how was y'all watching Game of Thrones for eight years? Because HBO go account y'all. Right, because I definitely did not have HBO, and I finessed that free prescription. Oh, don't don't okay subscription right. Comcast. Rip his shit. <laughs> nah, I got AT&T, so I got it for free now. Light flex. Okay. Oh, it wasn't no flex. Fuck AT&T. Okay, let's not get into that. I work in the telecommunications space, so. Love. Actually, no, say that. You're a competitor. I'm talking to you. <laughs> so, yeah, so. Dun, 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 dun. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones <laughs> content. Now we're going to get to the. Heads, heads up. up. Heads up. Uh, get your loan out of here, man. You, you put this in. I'll let you talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, Trayvon's mom, Sabrina Fulton, has uh, long advocated against gun violence ever since her son was gunned down by... Yeah. So, yeah, seven years later, she announced she is running for Miami-Dade County Commissioner. Um, It's huge. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This is really cool um, to see that an unfortunate event inspired... Her to change it. Change it, right. And it's good that she hasn't stopped fighting. And you can, uh, so like last year, Lucy Macbeth, mother of Jordan Davis, who was also killed in 2012, ran for Congress in Georgia and won her seat. And Um, she's like, only the only thing she's been talking about is like gun violence. She's heard on the Judiciary Committee. Like the only thing she'll talk about is like, why can't we like have statistics about gun violence? Why right. can't we have statistics about guns in America? Like that's like the one thing that like she really and that's good. Because it's good. like you need people like that to change the conversation when someone's only talking about this one thing, and when also when they have a personal story about it, like she lost both these mothers lost their sons right to gun violence to gun violence for unnecessary reasons. It's so crazy that like we deal with this stuff. And I mean, it's I mean, it's great for her. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's I'm good that, that she she's wins. running. Yeah. And she better. She gonna win. She gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> she gonna she win. Speak it. Uh, we're gonna we're claiming that um, vote for more black women. Period. But um, uh, it is good to see 
that something good is coming out of that, and I'm glad to see that their continued efforts. And yeah. that speaks. They, they, have, they haven't stopped like that. Right, all. and that speaks to like larger activism in America. Like we gotta be consistent. We gotta stay on these issues because if we are not, then stuff like the abortion shit is gonna just keep happening and. It's yeah. just gonna be up there. Also, the random, like, random, uh, important note about it. the abortion stuff. Hey, everybody, vote every election. No facts. Because these are state legislatures. Facts, but, but random note. Facts. Random thought. Um, but no, nah, I think like you said about Lucy McBath, it's cool. Like she gave everyone the blueprint of like you can turn your tragedy into like you being an elected member of Congress. So why not do it in your state in your neighborhood? Um, but her campaign has already stressed gun violence, but she's also stressed other things that we've tried to talk about on this podcast, like. Mental health in the black community, housing disparity in terms of rent, like education, access to education, access to like not only mental health, but just access to hospitals, access to clinics. So I think that clearly like she's focusing on gun violence because that's a story that's unique to her. But she's also focusing on issues that are relevant in her community in general in Miami that are like we don't have access to health care. We don't have good schools. Like she's clearly focusing on what we're actually talking about. Right. And I think she has like an interesting ear of like actually being in that community actually being from where she's running from and right she knows those and stories. she and that's why i feel like she did it on that level because she yeah. feel like she can one directly make she knows those, to people. those people yeah yeah and yeah so shout out to her shout out man all right so where the uh you know so we're gonna make make sure you follow us on twitter at uh underscore wrgo yeah, follow yeah, yeah. us and instagram what's really going follow youtube us. what's really going on uh facebook we ain't on that because you know russian bots <laughs> did, did you get a tweet taken down they actually tried to hack our instagram Come um, at us. What's up? spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud, SoundCloud we everywhere youtube everywhere all of that. Listen, call him a trick and he's gonna get offended. He know he's giving his money to Megan. He know it's very expensive to daily.